We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 683 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, October 23rd, 2023. You know, in times of struggle, in times of doubt, we seek counsel. We need wisdom. How about this wisdom from Commander's Limited Partner Magic Johnson on X on Sunday evening? Quote, disappointing 14-7 loss for my commanders to the NY Giants. It's hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points, end quote. (laughs) Very true magic, very true. It is hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points. How about this from commander's interior defensive lineman, Jonathan Allen. How about some wisdom from John Allen? He after this 14-7 loss at the lowly New York Giants on Sunday afternoon. A back and forth with a good friend of this podcast, Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4. Uh, And I will warn you, uh, there are some not-so-nice words in what John says. If you have kids with you, earmuffs. (laughs) But here you go. What's the evaluation like after a loss like that? (laughs) They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that seems... Yes, it does. I'm fucking tired of this shit. I'm fucking tired of this bullshit. It's been seven fucking years of the same shit. I'm tired of this shit. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play fucking Philadelphia. Yeah, I'd say that that about sums things up. Uh, that about says it all. What we feared could happen did happen. The Commanders lost at the Giants. The Burgundy and Gold fell at Big Blue. And so here we are now in this NFL regular season. The Commanders are three and four, just one and four since that two and oh start, which seems like about a decade ago now. And next up is a home game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who now are 6-1, a 31-17 ripping 
of the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, I will address the uh, bigger picture of our football team with Ron Rivera as head coach. Is he done? Is the Ron Rivera era now for all intents and purposes over? Uh, As you may remember, Ron on consecutive days this past July essentially acknowledged that he is coaching for his job given the team's new ownership in the Josh Harris group. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, how's that going, coaching for your job? Uh, I'll then get into the actual game, including the many things that went wrong for and with the Commander's offense, including an oh-so-bad day for Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and yet another costly drop by receiver Jahan Dodson, and they'll talk commander's defense and special teams as well. In-depth reaction to and analysis of yet another sobering, humbling loss for the commanders. But you know, maybe this is what our team needs. Maybe we all need to have the true state of our football team shoved in our faces so that the necessary change is enacted. Also on the show, college football week eight, breakdowns of Virginia's outstanding 31-27 win at then number 10 North Carolina on Saturday evening and Navy's 17-6 home loss to then number 22 Air Force on Saturday afternoon. I'll talk some Old Dominion as well off its 28-21 home win over Appalachian State on Saturday night. And I have a capital segment for you. They in their lone game over the weekend were better than they had been, but the Caps did still lose a uh, 3-2 overtime loss at the Montreal Canadiens. Caps got the point, but they went down by at least 2 nothing for a fourth time in four games in this NHL regular season. Uh, The Wizards regular season will begin on Wednesday night. The Wiz at the Indiana Pacers Wednesday night at 7. We on Sunday afternoon had big Wizards news, multiple reports of the Wizards and Denny Avdia having agreed on a four-year $55 million contract extension. Uh, Monday is the last day on which NBA teams can work out rookie-scale contract extensions with players selected in the 2020 NBA draft, in which the Wizards took Denny with the number nine overall pick. He is an emerging player. He clearly is a player who the uh, Wizards' new regime of Monumental Basketball President Michael Winger, General Manager Will Dawkins, and Senior Vice President of Player Personnel Travis Schlenk likes. But let's be honest, four years, $55 million, that also is far from an untradeable NBA contract. So if things do not work out with Denny, you'd think that trading Denny is more than doable. Uh, A lot more on the Wizards on Tuesday's show, episode 684, on which will be joined by Wizards insider Josh Robbins of The Athletic. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A lot of feedback on the commanders off their loss at the Giants. Email from Gene in Manassas, Virginia. Writes, Gene, I listen to your show every day. Your show is my favorite show on podcast or radio. Thank you, Gene. Continues, Gene. I've been defending Ron Rivera. He brought us from a mess to a solid team of high-character players, but we were outcoached by the Giants coaching staff. Giants coaches recognized what their players couldn't do and gambled on doing something else. We insisted on running the ball and going with drop-back passes. We insisted on four-man rushes. Ron can't find the best strategy before or during a game. This was Eric Bieniemy's worst game. He doesn't appear to be the answer. There is no way that this team makes the playoffs. I'm ready to replace all of the coaches at the end of the season and get some people who can take us the rest 
of the way back. Uh, thank you for the email, Gene. Not the first email from a longtime Ron Rivera supporter who has soured on Ron uh, that I have received in recent weeks. Email from Stanley Evans, Ride Stanley. I guess that the best gift that I got for my birthday was realizing that this team just isn't very good. Sam and EB are both playing for their jobs, and ultimately, those guys are the biggest reasons why we win or we lose. Sam can't stop taking sacks, and EB can't seem to have a game plan to avoid Sam taking sacks. Going wire to wire with a one in five team tells you all that you need to know. What's crazy is all of this is probably a moot point because we all knew this was probably a lame duck season. Anyway, everything going to be different next year. No one is safe. Do we now become sellers at the trade deadline? What do you think? Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. Uh, I will address the issue of the trade deadline next segment. Email from Dr. CCB writes the doctor, this team is sorry. There just are no other words to explain this team. All week long, I'm so sick and tired of hearing (laughs) that the Giants offensive line is decimated and a couple of key players on defense aren't playing and our defense should be able to impose its will. Nothing. None of that happened. And the mental mistakes were horrendous. Penalties at inopportune times. Lastly, for a second week in a row, our offense was a ghost. If it wasn't for the special teams gap by the Giants in the third quarter, the commanders would not have scored at all. I am beyond frustrated. Sam says he knows what he has to do to avoid sacks, yet he still is taking crushing sacks and substantial yardage lost. Play calling was suspect, especially in the first half. The Giants were daring Washington to beat them with its receivers because they were stacking the box and blitzing from everywhere. The commanders knew that and yet refused to make adjustments in the first half. Pathetic! Thank you for the email, Dr. CCB. I hear you, doctor. The doctor is not happy, and another doctor who's a big Commanders fan, the great Dr. George Verghese, I'm sure is not happy either, Uh, but you will be happy if you go to Dr. George Verghese. You see, Dr. George Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, which has locations in Waldorf, Maryland, Leonardtown, Maryland, and Lexington Park, Maryland. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings to anyone considered a new patient. And Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer advanced treatments for skin cancer. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you.
So the following is a list of Commanders players who are set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. On offense, receivers Curtis Samuel and Jamison Crowder, running back Antonio Gibson, offensive linemen Sadiq Charles, Cornelius Lucas, and Tyler Larson, and quarterback Jacoby Brissett. On defense, edge defenders Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams, and F.A. Obata. Safety Cameron Curl, corner Kendall Fuller, and linebackers Cody Barton, Khalid Hudson, and David Mayo. There are other Commanders players who are said to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason, but you get the idea. Uh, There are quite a few significant Commanders players set to be unrestricted free agents this coming offseason. The NFL trade deadline is on Halloween, Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern. The commanders in this 2023 NFL regular season now are 3-4 and four overall, including 0-2 in the NFC East. Two of the commanders' last three games now have been gut-wrenching losses to previously reeling teams. A 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in week five as the Bears snapped a 14-game regular season losing streak. And now this 14-7 loss at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon as the Giants came into the game as perhaps the worst team in the NFL this regular season. One in five with a league-worst point differential of minus 96. The Commanders have a head coach and Ron Rivera who is in his fourth season as the team's head coach, but who also is yet to have a winning regular season as the team's head coach. And he also is in charge of the team's player personnel. And the commanders have new ownership in the Josh Harris group, led by managing partner Josh Harris, who has managing partner for the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers greenlit the process. So you take all of what I just said into consideration and you let all of that cook. Okay, you let all of that cook in the crock pot (laughs) that is your Washington football brain. You tell me, is all of this not a recipe for the commanders to sell and sell hard come this NFL trade deadline? Now, I know if you're Rod Rivera and you're coaching for your job and you're also in charge of player personnel, why would you engineer a fire sale come this NFL trade deadline? And hey, I get that. But just because the commanders aren't going to engage in a fire sale doesn't mean that they shouldn't engage in a fire sale. And you know what? It is possible that Josh Harris orders a fire sale. You know, it is possible that Josh tells Ron to sell and sell hard and accumulate draft capital. I don't want Josh Harris meddling in football operations, but... You tell me, is it not getting harder and harder to argue against the commanders needing to be aggressive sellers come the trade deadline? You're not going to keep all of these unrestricted free agents to be. And so rather than lose these guys for nothing or next to nothing come free agency, why not try to get some things for these guys now? Now, you know, gauging NFL trade markets is tricky. There's no doubt about that. And it may be that some Maybe even many of the guys who I just mentioned don't really have much trade value right now, but some of them certainly do. And you'd think that you could get a little something-something for at least a few of the guys who I just talked about, you know, specifically a Montez Sweat, a Chase Young, perhaps a Kendall Fuller, who is having a good season, perhaps a Cameron Curl, you know, perhaps a Curtis Samuel, who is having a good season. Uh, Who knows? Uh, Now, the typical thing for a Ron Rivera-coached Washington team to do would be to win the team's next game, which is a home game against 
the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday afternoon at 1. Win that game and get us all excited again about this season. And yeah, you know, that game will happen on October 29th, two days before the trade deadline. So perhaps what happens in that game changes the calculus on what the commanders should do regarding the trade deadline. But you know what? Even if the commanders win that game at the Eagles, then what? Okay, These losses over the last three weeks, the loss to the Bears and now this loss at the Giants, these losses really do feel like the end for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach and the ultimate confirmation of what this team truly is in this year four with Ron as head coach in the coach-centric approach. We've seen enough. The team just is not good enough, even if it does win at the Eagles this Sunday afternoon. Two losses in three games to reeling teams. That kind of a stretch is inexcusable in year four of a coaching regime. Inexcusable, okay? If the regime is going well, you don't have two losses in three games to reeling teams in year four of that regime. And yet that is exactly what we now have with the commanders. This was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on if he feels like the commander season is slipping away. Well, I don't know. It depends on what's the next thing. You know, and to me, it's really about how you bounce back more than there's anything else. With 10 games left to go, you never know what's going to happen. But you got to take them one at a time. You got to stay focused on it. You know, we'll correct these things. There's some things that, there are a lot of things that we can correct. A lot of things we're going to get better at. And we'll continue to get, you know, work at it and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's not just the commander season that's slipping away. It's Ron Rivera's tenure as Washington head coach that's slipping away. And I take no joy in saying that. I don't like talking about people getting fired. I have been rooting very hard for Ron Rivera to succeed as Washington head coach. I am a Washington fan. I always have been. I always will be. I want the head coaches of my team to do well. I have wanted Ron Rivera to do well as Washington head coach from the get-go of his tenure as Washington head coach. But the truth is the truth. Things aren't going well enough. Next segment, I'm going to spend some time on the extent to which commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy got outcoached by Giants defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale on Sunday afternoon. But think about the job that Giants head coach Brian Dable and Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka did with their offense on Sunday afternoon. The Giants were down their starting quarterback and were down a truckload of offensive linemen. And while the Giants on Sunday afternoon were not great offensively, they at least did some things. You know, there was a confidence to the Giants offense on Sunday afternoon that you really didn't have with the commander's offense. Many more things went well for the Giants offense on Sunday afternoon than went well for the commander's offense on Sunday afternoon. Why? How? The commander's offense is very healthy right now. The Giants offense is about as far from healthy as an NFL team can be, and yet the Giants offense on Sunday afternoon was better than the commander's offense was. Why? How? What does that say? about the coaching that was on display on Sunday afternoon. What you want with an NFL coaching staff is a tactical advantage. We don't have that. Take it to the second snap of the second quarter. On a third and goal at the five, edge defender Chase Young, who had a good game, uh, drew a 10-yard holding penalty on left tackle Justin Pugh. But Ron Rivera accepted the penalty 
as opposed to declining the penalty. The very next snap <laughs> was a touchdown. Quarterback Tyrod Taylor's third and goal, 15-yard shotgun touchdown pass to tight end Darren Waller on the third snap of the second quarter. That was hideous. Ron accepted the penalty. The Giants had another third down, and the result was a touchdown. You can't have that. And yet we got that. And yes, of course, you fault the commander's defense for giving up that touchdown. I understand that. But what was the thought process in accepting that penalty? How about what happened at the end of the first half? Ron Rivera tapping out on the half. After a third and 12 five-yard shotgun completion by Tyrod Taylor to running back Matt Burita, the commanders had two timeouts left but did not call a timeout and allowed time in the second quarter to expire. The commanders could have called a timeout, forced the Giants to punt, and had an offensive possession before halftime while also having the ball to begin the second half. Instead, Ron tapped out. We, during Ron's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, had this back and forth between Commander's insider Michael Phillips of the Washington Times and Ron. Before halftime, you had the opportunity to call a timeout and potentially get the ball back and opted not to. At that point, it was, it was, it was enough was enough. We were going to go in. We were going to talk about the things that we needed to get done. You know, the drive beforehand was not a very good good situation, and I just felt it would be better for us to get in, talk about those things. We were going to get the ball to begin with in the second half. Yeah, nothing from Ron Rivera right now screams tactical coaching advantage or coaching excellence or player personnel excellence. You want excellence. The idea here is excellence. The Josh Harris Group paid more than $6 billion for the commanders. There's no way that Josh is looking at what Washington is in year four of the Rivera era and just saying, yeah, you know, that's good enough, (laughs) okay? That's not happening, okay? Josh Harris is not looking at what Ron Rivera has put forth in terms of the commander's product so far this season and saying, yeah, that's good enough. That's not good enough. Ron's regular season record as Washington head coach is 25-31-1. The sample size is 57 games. Not good enough. And you have to wonder if Josh Harris has had enough, you know? And I don't know when the change might happen. The change might not happen until after the commander's season is done, okay? But that doesn't mean that Josh's mind isn't already made up. And if you're Josh Harris and you paid the six billy for this football team and you have the background that Josh Harris has in terms of having done so well in the financial world and having greenlit the process as managing partner of the 76ers and also having uh, presided over what appears to be a successful rebuild for the New Jersey Devils, uh, a team for which Josh also is managing partner. The Devils, if you don't follow the NHL, are one of the bright rising young teams in hockey. You consider all of that, there's no way that Josh Harris is looking at this right now and saying to himself, yeah, you know what? This is good. (laughs) Okay. That's not happening. I can promise you that. Well, if you want to make your home as great as we wish our football team was and uh, as great as the team hopefully will be sometime soon under the ownership of Josh Harris, uh, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with 
Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571 513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Nova Fireplace and Stove has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big-time Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. A master gas fitter, master electrician, Class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. Uh, See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, NovaFireplaceAndStove.com. And take advantage of the special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the record now is 9-21-1. That is Washington's record in games at the New York Giants since the start of the 1993 season. The 1993 season was the start of the downfall of our football team. The glory days of the Redskins were from 1982 through 1992 in terms of the era with Joe Gibbs's head coach. And uh, then the problems started in 1993. Washington, since the start of the 1993 season, is a brutal 9-21-1 in games at the Giants. The latest loss coming on Sunday afternoon, a 14-7 loss for the Commanders at the Giants. Uh, The Commanders starting quarterback, Sam Howell, he, in this loss at the Giants, made his eighth career NFL regular season start. Uh, Was he good? No, he was not. Uh, Sam had a bad game, but he was not helped out nearly enough by those around him. The idea with a young starting quarterback in the NFL is to help the guy out. What the commanders ended up doing in this game was the opposite of helping out Sam. Sam in this game had to overcome not just the Giants defense, but also a number of things from his own team working against him. You start with the commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. He on Sunday afternoon got worked by Giants defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale. EB got worked by Wink. Uh, I am not one of these people who thinks that he knows so much more about X's and O's than actual NFL coaches, but I know that actual NFL coaches are not immune 
to going wrong. Actual NFL coaches can have bad days. And I did not at all get what Eric was doing over the first two quarters and change of this game. Eric, over the commander's first nine offensive drives, called too many traditional dropback plays, had way too little in the way of moving pockets, and had no answer for the constant pressure that Sam Howell was under. Eric got totally out-schemed by Wink. Now, Eric did better as the game went on, but the damage had been done. We all know the book on old Wink Martindale. He blitzes like crazy. What the Giants were doing in this game was not a surprise, and yet it felt like the commanders were surprised by what the Giants were doing. Here was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on why the commander's offense was so bad over its first nine drives, uh, which yielded eight punts and an interception. Well, you know, they, they threw a lot of different things at us. Um, and again, we got to be able to pick them up and, you know, slow, slow it down. I mean, that, that's the truth of the matter. The first half, you know, whatever they did, they, they were having a little more success than we needed them to have. we we got to be able to be better at uh, early on and make those adjustments a little bit quicker. We came out at halftime, and I thought uh, these adjustments that were made were, were, were what we needed to have. Yeah, well, how about adjusting sooner, <laughs> okay? Uh, Sunday was not a good day for Eric Bieniemy, I've been very complimentary of the job that Eric has been doing as commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, but Sunday was a bad day. Uh, we later, in the Rod Rivera postgame presser, had this back and forth between commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron. What was the, ha- what was the game plan to handle pressure, and why was it ineffective? It's the same game plan that we used in the second half that was effective. Unfortunately, we didn't get it done early on. We put ourselves in a, in, in a tough spot. Why not? Because we didn't handle it. There you go. <laughs> Rather simple. Uh, we then, during the Rod Rivera postgame presser, had this back and forth between Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic and Ron. Uh, third down conversions were a problem last week and continued today. What did you kind of see on, on that on that play? First half, we struggled getting the conversions. In the second half, we were able to get them done. We did things better in the second half than we did in the first half. Whether it's the the sacks or the third down, what, what do you think changed? Was it something you guys talked about specifically at halftime? or what? You know, some of the corrections that were made, some of the things that we did better. And I thought some of the execution things in the second half were exactly what we needed. You know, we, we did a lot of good things. Unfortunately, we didn't capitalize. We get the ball down in the red zone and we get a kick block. We get down in the red zone. Unfortunately, we didn't score at the end. Um, but that's football. That's part of the game. You know, we'll continue to work at it. We'll continue to look at the things we're doing. We'll evaluate what we're doing. And we'll get those things corrected. All right. So Ron Rivera had a mantra that he was sticking to during that postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon. Also, the commander's offensive line, it was a major part of Sam Howell constantly being under siege on Sunday afternoon. And the offensive line committed a whopping seven penalties, six of which were accepted. How many times during the game did you want to scream? Because there was yet another false start penalty on the commander's offensive line. Put the blocking off to the side for a moment. 
Yet left tackle Charles Leno Jr. committing three penalties, two of which were accepted. Now, Leno was back from a one-game absence caused by the death of a daughter who had just been born, so I don't want to hammer Leno too hard. But if we're just talking football, Commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first-quarter three-and-out. The third snap of the drive on a third-and-17 for the Commander's at their 24. Leno committed a five-yard false start penalty. The Commander's 13th offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's blocked 27-yard field goal attempt on the fourth snap of the fourth quarter, the fourth snap of the drive, and the next to last snap of the third quarter on a third and four for the commanders at the Giants 42. Leno committed a five-yard ball start penalty, and also on this snap was left guard Sadiq Charles getting hurt. Uh, Right tackle Andrew Wiley committed two penalties. So the commanders' fifth offensive drive, the fourth snap of the drive on a second quarter, second and two for the commanders at their 43. Sam Howell threw his uh, shotgun play action interception to corner Deontay Banks, but also on the play was a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty by Wiley. Uh, And then the commander's 14th offensive drive resulted in a late fourth quarter turnover on downs. The 11th snap of that drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Giants 27. Wiley committed a five-yard false start penalty. Uh, The commander's seventh offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. The first snap of that drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 24. Sadiq Charles committed a 10-yard holding penalty. The commander's 12th Offensive drive resulted in a third quarter three and out. The first snap of that drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 17. Right guard Samuel Cosme committed a five-yard false start penalty. Way too many penalties by commanders offensive linemen on Sunday afternoon. And then there were the drops. Uh, I, on this podcast, have been talking about the drops. Uh, I feel like I'm the only person (laughs) who has been talking about the drops. Drops have been a problem for the commanders in recent weeks. Drops were a problem in this loss at the Giants. Receivers Jahan Dodson and Terry McLaurin and tight end Logan Thomas all were guilty of what could be called drops, although Jahan's was the worst. The commander's 14th offensive drive resulted in the late fourth quarter turnover on downs. The 19th snap of the drive the Commanders' final offensive snap of the game. A fourth and five for the Commanders at the Giants' seven. Jahan Dodson failed to make the catch on an off-schedule shotgun throw by Sam Howell. Uh, The throw, yes, was behind Jahan, but he still could have made that catch, and the reception would have been for at least a first down, probably not for a touchdown, although you never know, but the Commanders would have at least had the first down. But on this play, you had Sam Howell fighting for his life. He, on this play, spun away from linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons, who came in unblocked. Sam got off the throw, but Jahan did not make the catch. A third major drop by Jahan Dodson over the last four games. Uh, the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in week four. Jahan, on a third quarter, third and four for the commanders at their 36, had a drop as he allowed a perfect shotgun throw by Sam Howell to go right through the hands. Uh, The 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons in Week 6, Jahan on a second quarter first and 10 for the Commanders at their 48, had a really bad drop on a perfect shotgun play action throw by Sam on a play that should have resulted in a big gain and maybe even a touchdown as Jahan was wide open. What is going on? with Jahan Dodson. The man known for his hands has three big-time drops over 
the last four games. Now, he in this loss at the Giants did at least have some catches. He had five receptions for 43 yards on eight targets, but that drop loomed large. Uh, this was Sam Howell during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on why the commander's offense was better as the game went on, and you'll hear Sam in this cut put the blame for that final incompletion on himself and not on Jahan. Here you go. You know, in the second half, we, we got to some more kind of max protection type stuff and kind of just, well, you know, kind of put it in the hands of our receivers. Um, and those guys did a good job of, you know, getting down the field vertically and beating those guys and winning their one-on-one matchups. Um, was, I was just trying to do my best to get the ball in their hands. Um, so they, they definitely all stepped up and made some big plays. Um, you know, that, that last play, I got to make it easier on Jahan. Uh, you know, a lot, probably a lot of people are going to say he should have caught it, but I got I to gotta give him a better ball. And it was he was wide open. I got to give him a better throw. Yeah, that is great leadership by Sam Howell, unsolicited, bringing up the Jahan Dodson drop and Sam pointing the finger of blame at himself. And yes, uh, the throw could have been better, but Jahan has got to catch that pass, and uh, yet he did not catch that pass. As for the drops by Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, Commander's sixth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. The second snap of that drive on a second and five for the Commanders at their 30. Terry had a drop on a shotgun incompletion by Sam Howell, although corner Nick McLeod did have good coverage on Terry. And the Commander's 11th offensive drive resulted in a third quarter punt, the fifth snap of that drive on a third and five for the Commanders at their 42. Logan allowed the ball to go off his hands on a bit of a high throw by Sam on a shotgun shotgun incompletion. Help Sam Howell out. Help a brother out, okay? I mean, geez. Uh, Now, all of that said, Sam in this loss at the Giants did not have a good game. Sam for the game quarterback to commander's offense that scored just one touchdown and went a woeful one of 15 on third downs and one of three in the red zone. I mean, think about that third down efficiency, one of 15 And keep in mind that the Giants for this game were without a key corner in Adoree Jackson. Uh, He was inactive due to a neck injury. Uh, Sam got off to a horrendous start to the game. Sam, over the commander's first nine offensive drives, went just 6 of 15 for 72 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception, and he took six sacks. Now, he was better as the game went on. Sam, over the commander's final five offensive drives, went 16 of 27 for 177 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions, and took no sacks. But that start to the game was really bad. And yes, we did have the sacks. Uh, The Sam Howell sack problem is not going away. The Sam Howell sack problem is not getting better. Now, it did feel like a good bit of the sacks that Sam took on Sunday afternoon were more protection sacks than sacks on Sam. We'll see what the data shows. But as I've said, when it comes to the blame game for the Sam Howell sack problem, you don't have to pick a side. All parties are to blame. Sam, the offensive line, Eric Bieniemy, all parties share in the blame. Running backs and tight ends too. But the bottom line is that the Sam Howell sack problem remains a huge problem, perhaps a fatal problem for Sam as an NFL QB1. We'll see. Uh, Sam in this loss at the Giants took six sacks, giving him a staggering 40 sacks taken through seven games in this 2023 regular season. And Sam, for a third consecutive game, got sacked a bunch by a team that came into the game having been terrible at generating sacks. The Giants for this regular season through week six were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 2.72 and were dead last in the NFL in sacks with just five. 
You go back to week five, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football. The Bears came into that game with a mere two sacks over four games in this regular season, and yet Sam in the game took five sacks, although the last two sacks did come late in the fourth quarter during garbage time. But week six, the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons for this regular season through week five were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 3.01 and were tied with the Giants for dead last in the NFL in sacks with five. And yet Sam in that game took five sacks. The Commanders have become the get-right team, the slump-buster team for teams struggling to get sacks. Uh, Here was Sam Howell during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Commanders' offense being so impacted by opposing teams' pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's just we. I think everyone kind of has a hand in it. Um, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the sacks this year. I think I could have done a better job, kind of get rid of, the, rid of the ball. And then there there is at times that we just kind of get beat up front. Um, so I think we can all do a better job of just focusing on what our job is and what our responsibility is on each and every play, and just taking it one play at a time. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our, our plan is good. You know, we have good plays, and we just got to execute. Yeah, also, Sam Howell in this loss at the Giants did have some really bad throws. Uh, The Commanders' fifth offensive drive started off well for Sam, but ended in disaster. Uh, The drive happened in the second quarter, second snap of the drive on a second and nine for the Commanders at their 24. Sam had an 11-yard shotgun scramble, third snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 35. Sam had an eight-yard shotgun sprint-out completion to Jahan Dodson. Why it took so long for us to see those sprint-out throws in this game, I do not know, but that was part to me of Eric Bieniemy's uh, less-than-stellar play calling. Uh, but then on the fourth snap of this drive, on a second and two for the Commanders at their 43, Sam threw a shotgun play action interception to corner Deontay Banks, who the Giants took with the number 24 overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft out of Maryland. Uh, this was a terrible throw by Sam. He woefully underthrew Jahan Dodson, who was wide open. And uh, also on the play was that aforementioned 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty by Andrew Wiley. And then just a two snaps later was quarterback Tyrod Taylor's second quarter, first and 10, 32-yard under center play action touchdown pass to running back Saquon Barkley on a screen. And the ensuing extra point gave the Giants a 14-0 lead. Additionally, Sam on the commander's 12th offensive drive nearly threw a pick six, should have thrown a pick six. The drive resulted in a third quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive on a first and 15 for the commanders at their 12. Sam on an under center play action drop back was under heavy duress in the end zone and just threw the ball in the air. And what should have been an easy pick six was dropped by edge defender Kayvon Thibodeau. But that throw came shortly after the intentional grounding penalty on Sam. And you could almost see in his mind him not wanting to get called for intentional grounding, but also not wanting to get sacked again and not wanting to take a safety. And so he took, I guess, what was in his mind the least of all of the evils, and that was just throw the ball downfield. But yeah, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, if not for that drop, an easy pick six. Uh, And Sam on the commander's second offensive drive had two bad incompletions. Uh, That drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. First snap of the drive and a first and 10 for the commanders at their 32. Sam was way off on a shotgun pass 
to receiver Curtis Samuel, who was wide open, and the third snap of the drive on a third and six for the Commanders at their 36. Sam threw a shotgun incompletion on a pass that was nearly picked off by corner Trey Hawkins the third, uh, who the Giants took in the sixth round of the 2023 draft out of Old Dominion. Uh, Sam Howell in this loss at the Giants did not play well, but those around him did not serve him well either. Uh, both things to me are true. Uh, as for the good from Sam in this game. Uh, Sam on that final commander's offensive drive, the team's 14th offensive drive, did make multiple big throws. Now, the drive resulted in the fourth quarter turnover on downs, but there was some good stuff from Sam on this drive. Multiple sprint out completions. Again, why we didn't see more of the sprint out completion earlier in this game, I don't understand, but third snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their 13. Sam, a nine-yard shotgun sprint out completion to Jahan Dodson. Fourth snap of the drive on a second and one for the commanders at their 22. Sam, a two-yard shotgun sprint out completion to Curtis Samuel for the first down. Uh, Sixth snap of the drive, second and 10 for the commanders at their 24. Sam, a 13-yard shotgun completion to Logan Thomas on a bullet of a throw. Uh, Eighth snap of the drive on a second and seven for the commanders at their 40. Sam, a 16-yard shotgun play action completion to receiver Byron Pringle, who was wide open in the middle of the field. Uh, 15th snap of the drive, first snap after the second half, two-minute warning on a fourth and one for the commanders at the Giants 18. Sam, a six-yard shotgun play action completion to Terry McLaurin. Uh, Sam had a key fourth down completion on the commander's 10th offensive drive, uh, which started at the Giants 21, thanks to the uh, lost fumble by Giants receiver Sterling Shepard on a third quarter muff catch of a punt. The drive resulted in the commander's lone touchdown of the game. Uh, Running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s third quarter second and goal four-yard under center handoff touchdown run. The fourth snap of the drive, fourth and one for the commanders at the Giants 12. Sam, an eight-yard shotgun sprint out completion to Jahan Dodson. The moving pocket was a friend of Sam. Why we didn't see more of that, again, I don't know. Uh, And Sam on the commander's 13th offensive drive, two big completions to Terry McLaurin, who made two great catches. Uh, This drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's blocked 27-yard field goal attempt on the fourth snap of the fourth quarter. But the first snap of the drive on a late third quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at their 10. Sam, a 27-yard shotgun completion to Terry, who made a sensational catch near the right sideline while falling forward on his knees and getting sandwiched by Giants corner Deontay Banks and safety Xavier McKinney, who got hit with a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty. And the fifth snap of the drive in the final snap of the third quarter on a third and nine for the commanders at the Giants 47. Sam had a 31-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a bomb down the left sideline. And Terry on this play made a terrific catch while falling forward. So some good stuff from Sam in this game, but not nearly enough good stuff. Uh, He did not have a good game and uh, those around him were not at their best either. Well, the commanders on Sunday afternoon, not the best version of themselves, but that doesn't mean that you should not be the best version of yourself. And this is where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. Uh, Caldera Lab is the best in the skincare game, and you with an easy routine via Caldera Lab can keep your face looking pretty, (laughs) no matter your schedule. Uh, Plus, what is a better gift than clear skin? Join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impression this fall. Plus, Caldera Lab makes for a great gift. Look, if you're a guy and you're like me, 
you do not know much <laughs> about skincare, but Caldera Lab makes skincare for guys easy. The Caldera Lab regimen includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate is a face wash that starts and ends your day and leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the Good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute each morning and one minute each night. That's all that it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. You will be looking like a million bucks. And here's a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to calderalab.com. Caldera is spelled C-A-L-D-E-R-A. Calderalab.com and use the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI, to get 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. Show your best self or make an unforgettable impression with a great gift. Calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. That's calderalab.com, promo code GALDI for 20% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza, so make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate this podcast. Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just 
a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, the commander's defense in this 14-7 loss at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon wasn't great, but played well enough to win. Now, what has to be understood is that the Giants' offense for this game was an injury-ravaged and reeling mess. We talked about this on the podcast last week. The Giants' QB1, Daniel Jones, ended up being inactive for this game due to a neck injury. Uh, The Giants' number one left tackle, Andrew Thomas, was inactive due to a hamstring injury. And the Giants, this past Tuesday, placed the man who had been starting at left tackle in place of Thomas, Josh Azudu, on the reserve injured list. Uh, The Giants' number one right tackle, Evan Neal, was inactive due to an ankle injury. The Giants' number one center, John Michael Schmitz Jr., was inactive due to a shoulder injury. A key backup offensive tackle for the Giants, Matt Parrott, was inactive due to a shoulder injury. And the Giants were without a key backup interior offensive lineman in Shane Lemieux. They this past Thursday put him on the reserve injured list due to him during practice this past Wednesday having suffered a torn biceps. Additionally, the Giants came into this game having not scored an offensive touchdown since week three and having not had a passing touchdown since week two. So all of this needs to be established. There is a context uh, regarding whom the commanders were facing on Sunday afternoon that matters a lot. The worst part about the commander's defense in this game was the giving up of the big play. What has been the biggest problem for the commander's defense this season did continue to be a problem on Sunday afternoon. The commanders in this game gave up seven Giants offensive plays, each of at least 20 yards. Way too many. The commanders allowed Giants quarterback and Virginia Tech product Tyrod Taylor to throw for 279 yards on a mere 29 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of 9.62. Tyrod Taylor should not be averaging 9.62 yards per pass attempt against the commander's defense, and yet he did just that. Uh, The Giants' second offensive drive resulted in Giants kicker and former Redskins kicker Graham Gano's missed 42-yard field goal attempt in the first quarter, but the third snap of the drive on a third and six for the Giants at their 15 corner. Benjamin St. Juice got beat by receiver Jalen Hyatt on a 33-yard shotgun completion by Tyrod Taylor to Hyatt. Uh, The Giants' fourth offensive drive, this was the Tyrod Taylor drive. The drive resulted in Taylor's third and goal 15-yard shotgun touchdown pass to tight end Darren Waller on the third snap of the second quarter as linebacker Jamin Davis got beat by Waller. Taylor on the drive, 4 of 4 for 72 yards and a touchdown, and had a 20-yard run. Did take a sack, but the numbers at 2 through 4 snaps of the drive were three first-quarter completions by Taylor that totaled 57 yards. Then on the fifth snap of the drive, and the next to last snap of the first quarter on a first and 10 for the Giants at the Commanders 28, the Commanders gave up a 20-yard run by Taylor on a shotgun quarterback draw run. Uh, The Giants' sixth offensive drive started at the Commanders 48, thanks to quarterback Sam Howell's second quarter interception. Uh, This drive consisted of just two plays, uh, which were two completions by Tyrod Taylor that totaled 48 yards. Uh, The second completion, a Taylor second quarter first and 10, 32-yard under center play action touchdown pass to running back Saquon Barkley on a screen as Jamin Davis missed on an attempted tackle. 
of Saquon. Yet Jamin did not have a good game on Sunday afternoon. How about his penalty? Uh, the Giants' 13th offensive drive. It did result in interior defensive lineman Deron Payne's fourth quarter force fumble that he recovered, but the third snap of the drive on a third and 11 for the Giants at their 19. Jamin Davis committed a brutal five-yard illegal contact penalty in covering Darren Waller, negating a sack that was split by edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young and giving the Giants a first down. And then on the eighth snap of this drive, another big play. Second and nine for the Giants at their 37. Benjamin St. Juice beaten by Jalen Hyatt again, this time on a 42-yard shotgun completion by Tyrod Taylor to Hyatt. Head coach Rod Rivera challenged the play in terms of Hyatt actually having made the catch, but uh, Ron lost the challenge. Uh, we, during Ron's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, had this back and forth between Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4 and Ron. The Giants hadn't scored a first-half offensive touchdown this season. How surprised were you by their offensive success early? Well, I was disappointed in it. You know, we had a couple opportunities to make some stops, and we missed those opportunities. Do you, do you think it was a their result of just running different stuff? Was it anything you weren't expecting? Well, I, I think we, um, they did exactly a lot of the things that we thought they would do. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't capitalize on the chance to get out on third down. We didn't capitalize on the opportunity to make plays when we had them. Um, you know, we could have probably put them in a, in a better situation a couple times too. So, again, these are all things that we'll have to go and evaluate. All right, but to me, we, from the commander's defense in this loss at the Giants, got a lot more good than bad. The commanders held the Giants to just 14 points and to just 5 of 16 on third downs. Uh, The commanders stopped the run. They held Giants running back Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida to combine 24 carries for 81 yards. That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.38. And the commanders against the run generated a big red zone takeaway that aforementioned Deron Payne forced fumble that he recovered fourth quarter on a first and goal for the Giants at the 10. Deron Payne forced a fumble by Saquon Barkley on a three-yard under center handoff run in which Deron and fellow interior defensive lineman John Ridgway made the tackle, and Duran recovered the fumble. Uh, also, the commanders totaled four sacks. Edge defender Chase Young, very nice game. He had two sacks, notched a third tackle for loss, and drew a penalty. Edge defender Montez sweat a sack and was tied for second on the team with seven tackles. Linebacker Kalik Hudson had a sack. Uh, speaking of linebacker, we will have to see the deal with Cody Barton. Uh, he, in the first quarter, suffered an ankle injury and, after the game, was seen in the commander's locker room in a walking boot. But bottom line, to me, the commander's defense, not perfect, okay? <laughs> not perfect, uh, but played well enough to win. You give up 14 points, uh, you should win that game. And yet the commanders did not win on Sunday afternoon. Uh, also, from this commander's loss at the Giants, an eventful game on special teams. Uh, a lot to take in. There was some bad stuff from commander's special teams. We had kicker Joey Sly missing his lone field goal attempt, his 27-yard field goal attempt on the fourth snap of the fourth quarter blocked. Uh, he did make his lone extra point attempt, but that blocked field goal attempt on what should have been a layup of a field goal, right? A 27-yard field goal attempt uh, was painful. Uh, not sure exactly why that field goal attempt was blocked. Ron Rivera, during his postgame presser on Sunday afternoon, uh, did not have a good explanation for that, said that he uh, needed to look at the tape, which, you know, is a fair answer. Uh, the reigning NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, receiver Jamison Crowder, 
Uh, he on Sunday afternoon over six punt returns, averaged just 5.5 yards per punt return, and had a muff catch uh, for a second quarter fumble that went out of bounds. And the Commanders had a special teams penalty. Corner Tariq Castro fields, so he committed a 10-yard holding penalty on a third quarter punt return by Jamison Crowder. However, Commander special teams did come through with a big takeaway as receiver Deami Brown recovered a fumble by Giants receiver Sterling Shepard on an early third quarter muffed catch of a punt and the ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s third quarter second and goal four yard under center handoff touchdown run. Uh, I mentioned Jamison Crowder over six punt returns averaging just 5.5 yards per punt return. Uh, Well, he did have a second quarter 17 yard punt return uh, and the commanders registered just one kickoff return, but it was a good one. An early second quarter 38 yard kickoff return by receiver Byron Pringle. So there were some things to like with commander special teams in this game. There is a lot to like with underdog fantasy, which is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be very time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money. Take advantage of the free money if you sign up now with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. Free money. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call one 877 8 hope ny and in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We move now to college football week eight, which included games for Virginia and Navy against ranked teams and Virginia one. A signature win for Tony Elliott as UVA head coach. A shocking win. Virginia improved at 2-5 and five overall and 1-2 and two in the ACC with a 31-27 win at then number 10 North Carolina on Saturday evening. Virginia for this game was a 24-point underdog <laughs> in multiple shops. Uh, this win was Virginia's first win ever in a road game against a team ranked in the top 10 
of an Associated Press Top 25 poll. Virginia came into this game 0-30 all-time in road games against AP Top 10 teams. Heck, this was Virginia's first win over an AP Top 10 team, period, since October 2005. You can't overstate how massive of a win this was for UVA, especially considering how poorly things have gone with Tony Elliott as the team's head coach. He's in his second season as UVA head coach. His record as UVA head coach coming into this game was 4-12. and uh, Well, <laughs> make that 5-12. and And of course, when you talk Virginia football, you got to keep in mind the tragedy. November 13th, 2022, a former Virginia running back shot and killed three Virginia football players and shot and wounded two other Virginia students, including another Virginia football player, running back Mike Hollins, who had a big game on Saturday night. More on him in a bit, but this was Tony Elliott during his postgame press conference on Saturday night. What you saw is just a group that that believed, and and what I'm proud of is is you know I've told the guys from day one they can do it. Right, I told them they could play with the first opponent all the way through this one, right? But the key, the key is believing that you are going to be the guy that's going to make the play and not waiting on somebody else. And I think that's what you saw. Uh, you saw more guys uh, tonight saying, you know what, let me be the one that, that, that makes the play. Well, the Cavaliers in this win at North Carolina overcame a 24-14 third quarter deficit. The Cavs defense wasn't great, but was good enough, especially considering that UNC for this season through week seven was number eight in the FBS in total net yards per game at 501.3. The Tar Heels offense this season had been a machine, but the Cavs defense, all things considered, did a pretty good job. The Cavs held UNC quarterback Drake May to just 24-48 passing and to a yards per pass attempt of 7.23, well below his season average. And the Cavs, on the next-to-last snap of the game, got a game-sealing interception. Linebacker James Jackson intercepted a May shotgun pass on a second and 10 at the UVA 48 as May got smashed by edge defender Paul Acure. Uh, also, the Cavs held the Tar Heels to just 4 of 13 on third downs. Now, the Cavs did give some stuff up. Uh, they allowed UNC receiver Devontae Walker to have 11 receptions for 146 yards and a touchdown on 16 targets. The Cavs allowed UNC running back Omarion Hampton to have 19 carries for 112 yards. But the Wahoos rushing offense was great. When you take out quarterback Tony Musket's game-ending kneel down and the two sacks that he took, the Hoos had 51 carries for 240 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the aforementioned who's running back, Mike Hollins, 15 carries for 66 yards and three touchdowns. Now, he did have a killer fumble, a fumble that went out of the end zone for a touchback with the who's nursing a 31-27 lead with less than five minutes left in the fourth quarter. But who's running back, Paris Jones had 14 carries for 67 yards. Uh, I mentioned Tony Musket. He had a solid uh, but unspectacular game. He went 20 of 30 for 208 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He took the two sacks. He had 10 carries for 75 yards when you take out the two sacks that he took. And he quarterbacked a UVA offense that went 8 of 18 on third downs. And UVA receiver and Northwestern transfer Malik Washington, another great game for this guy. He had 12 receptions 
for 115 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets. Washington's touchdown was outstanding. On a fourth quarter, first and 10 for the Cavs at the Carolina 14, Tony Musket got off a short shotgun pass uh, to a wide open Washington off Musket scrambling to his right. Washington then broke through four attempted tackles and generating 15 yards after the catch in route to the end zone. Uh, this was Tony Elliott during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on that touchdown by Malik Washington. Uh, that's a, that was a big boy play. That's what I told Malik, and and that's what you've seen out of this team is is they is they fight. You know they they they're not they're not going back down. Right now we we got to play smarter at times and um and and play more complimentary football at times. But one thing that you can't question about this team is their resilience and their willingness to fight. Uh, and so that's just a testament to to this group of uh, um, individuals. I think it's a testament to where our football program is. You know, since November thirteenth of last year, man, we've had to fight every single day for everything right we, we've had to fight on the field we've had to fight in the classroom and we've had to fight mental health and we've had to fight everything uh so so that's just you're seeing it on the field and hopefully we can build upon that fight because what i tell them all the time is yeah you got to have that fight uh, but you also got to have other components to be able to win uh at the highest level yeah a tremendous win for uva next up for virginia at miami this saturday afternoon at 3 30 navy unfortunately, did not win its game against the ranked team on Saturday. The midshipmen fell to 3-4 and four overall with a 17-6 loss to then number 22 Air Force at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. Navy lost to Air Force for a fourth consecutive season. The mids right now uh, cannot beat the Falcons. Uh, the number one item from this game, from a Navy standpoint, was the offense. Uh, really bad. Uh, the mids generated just 124 total net yards of offense. The mids averaged just 1.94 yards per play. The mids went just 3 of 17 on third downs. Uh, Navy fullback Alex Tesca, who for this season through week seven, it was number one among all qualified FBS players in yards per carry at 8.11. Uh, he in this game had 12 carries for a mere 24 yards. Uh, we had more quarterback chaos for Navy. Head coach Brian Newberry started freshman Braxton Woodson over senior Ty Lovatai at quarterback with Blake Horvath having suffered a thumb injury in the mid 27-24 home win over North Texas on October 7th. And then Lovatai having started but also having suffered an injury to his ribs in the mid 14-0 win at Charlotte on October 14th. But Newberry in this loss to Air Force benched Woodson in favor of Lovatai. Uh, Woodson struggled. He went just two of six passing for six yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, took four sacks. Uh, he as a rusher had 10 carries for just six yards, and that's without including the four sacks. Uh, Lovatai came into the game for the fourth quarter, threw a lot. He had 23 pass attempts versus just three rushing attempts, but he went just 13 to 23 passing for just 96 yards, and he threw two interceptions, including an 18-yard pick six on a third and 10 at the Navy 11 for a 17-0 Air Force lead with 3.51 left in the fourth quarter, although the pick six came on a shotgun pass that went off the hands of receiver Jaden Umbarger, although the pass was high and a bit behind 
Umborger. Uh, Lovatai did have a second and goal 10-yard shotgun touchdown pass to slot back Eli Heidenreich with 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter on a tight window throw, but Navy then failed in its attempt at a two-point conversion. A rather significant occurrence given that the spread for this game, depending on where you shopped, uh, was 10.5 or 11 in uh, many of those shops, and the mids lost by 11. Uh, here was Brian Newberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on why he started Braxton Woodson at quarterback. Yeah, well, you know, Ty went out and in the, in the um, Charlotte game with a rib injury. Um, it seemed to be pretty good during the week, just to know how that was going to turn out for him. And so obviously we invested a significant amount of time in, in Braxton, you know, with the first group and really felt like he had a, a really good week of practice. I was excited about where he, where he was at and the, the progress that, that he was making. Uh, and then the decision to, to get Ty in the game was based on the flow of the game and just, just needing to change and trying to find a spark and some momentum and felt like we needed to start throwing the football there and, and uh, you know, and, and Ty's been pretty good in those situations and so just felt like we need to do something different and to try to get some momentum going there, try to create a spark. Yeah, but the spark really did not happen. This was Brian Newberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on Navy's offense in this loss to Air Force. Yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, just simply, you know, not good enough. Um, I thought that they defensively uh, out-physicaled us. Uh, we couldn't sustain blocks on the perimeter. I uh, didn't sustain blocks on the interior either. Just couldn't establish anything at the line of scrimmage. You know, when you when you can't get the inside run game going, um, makes things difficult. You know, and I thought when we tried to get the ball on the perimeter, uh, I just I thought they, you know, um, thought they out-physicaled us out there. We couldn't sustain blocks. Couldn't stay on blocks and. Um, we knew it was going to be a physical football game. We thought that was the key to us winning the game, and I just thought they out-physicaled us um, defensively. And, um, you know, we we're, um, we got to be able to get the run game going uh, inside. We can't do that. It makes it uh, arduous. Yes, it does. Uh, Navy's defense did play well. You know, Air Force surprisingly did have Zach Larrier as its starting quarterback. Falcons head coach Troy Calhoun this past Tuesday had told reporters that Larrier was likely out for a while uh, due to an injury that he suffered in the Falcons' 34-27 home win over Wyoming on October 14th. But Larrier on Saturday afternoon played. Uh, Navy did allow him to go four or five passing for 151 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. The touchdown was a second and 10, 94-yard under center touchdown pass to receiver Dane Kinneman on a bomb down the right sideline on the first snap of the second quarter for what was the longest pass play in Air Force history in terms of yardage. Uh, but Navy's defense allowed just 10 true points. Seven of Air Force's points came on that fourth quarter pick six, and Navy held Air Force to just one of 13 on third downs. And even when you take out Air Force's two kneel downs and the one sack that Navy had, the mids held Air Force to just 140 yards on 45 carries. That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.11. Understand the Falcons for this season through week seven were number one in the FBS in rushing yards per game at 334.2. Navy's defense was not the problem in this game. Navy's offense was a major problem in this game and has been for a good chunk of this season. Next up for Navy is a bye. The mids next game is at Temple on Saturday, November 4th. Also, 
this past Saturday, a win for Old Dominion. The Monarchs, uh, they improved to 4-3 and overall and 3-1 and in the Sunbelt Conference with a 28-21 win over Appalachian State at SB Ballard Stadium in Norfolk, Virginia on Saturday night. We did have more change for ODU at quarterback. Uh, this all started in the second quarter of the Monarchs, a 10-9 home win over Texas A&M University Commerce on September 23rd when ODU head coach Ricky Ronnie benched starting quarterback Grant Wilson in favor of Jack Shields. Ronnie then started Shields at quarterback for each of ODU's next two games, but in the second quarter of the 17-13 win at Southern Miss on October 7th, benched Shields in favor of Wilson. So for this win over Appalachian State, Ronnie started Wilson. Uh, he went 18 to 25 for 188 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He took five sacks. ODU quarterbacks this season have taken a ton of sacks. Uh, ODU's rushing offense was great. Running backs Kadarius Callaway and Keyshawn Wicks combined for 25 carries for 186 yards and two touchdowns, both of which were by Wicks. Two consecutive wins now for ODU despite the instability at quarterback. Next up for Old Dominion, a big game at James Madison Saturday night at 8. And the Dukes, 7-0 and overall, and now ranked. Uh, they are number 25 in the Associated Press poll that came out on Sunday, second consecutive October in which JMU is in an AP Top 25 poll. Liberty, by the way, is second among others receiving votes. And if you would like tickets to Old Dominion at James Madison or to another college football game in the region, uh, or to a Commanders game, or to a Capitals game, or to a Wizards game, as their regular season will begin this Wednesday night. Download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. Uh, I was just on game time looking at tickets for commanders games. A lot of good deals in the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting easy. Uh, also, game time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, Create an account and use this promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code ALGALDI. Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
Well, the Capitals this Tuesday through Sunday have a stretch of four games in six days. The Caps 2023-2024 regular season is happening, but uh, at least right now is not going well. Uh, the Caps fell to 1-2-1 and in this 2023-2024 NHL regular season with a 3-2 overtime loss at the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night. The Caps did overcome a 2-0 third-period deficit to at least get a point, but this game marked the Caps being down at least 2-0 for a fourth time in four games in this regular season. The Caps are getting walloped in the early portions of games, and the Caps' process leaves a lot to be desired. The Caps on Saturday night won the third period 2-0 despite committing a whopping five minor penalties in that third period. Uh, the Caps' two third-period goals were even-strength goals by top-line center Dylan Strom, who also had a game-high tying five shots on goal, so props to him. Uh, the Caps' top-line left wing, Alex Ovechkin, had a primary assist, a game-high tying five shots on goal, and a team-high eight total shot attempts. Good to see all of that off Ovi having not had a single shot on goal in each of the Caps' previous two games, marking the first time in his 19-season NHL career that he did not have a shot on goal in each of at least two consecutive regular season games. Ovechkin on Saturday night did commit a first period slashing minor and did have two giveaways. And, you know, he, for this regular season, does remain goalless. Uh, Alex Ovechkin has yet to score a goal in this regular season. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender on Saturday night. He stopped 25 of the 28 shots on goal that he faced. He allowed the game-winning goal, uh, which was by Canadiens winger Cole Caulfield on a wrister from the left circle just 47 seconds into overtime. Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped seven of the nine high-danger shots on goal that he faced. The Caps were better in the puck possession battle than they had been. The Caps had 33 shots on goal to the Canadiens' 28, although the Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 11 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Canadiens' 15. And the Caps had more problems on special teams. The Caps went 0-5 on the power play and 5-6 of on the penalty kill as they, for a fourth time in four games in this regular season, did not score a power play goal and allowed a power play goal. Uh, also, the Caps committed six minor penalties for the game. So the Caps were better in some regards, but the Caps still are not playing well. Uh, this was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I thought we did uh, take some positive steps tonight. Um, for, from big picture-wise, all, all three periods, I, I would say especially the third period. I mean, we're really, really struggling to, to finish and score goals right now, uh, as you know. So for us to sort of fight back in there, kill a ton of penalties, um, a five-on-three, lengthy five-on-three, and, and then still with, with seven minutes or whatever it was left when we get to get back to five-on-five to push for that equalizer. So that, that especially... Um, yeah, as we continue to find our, our polish offensively and, and being able to um, finish opportunities and finish plays for that matter, not just scoring chances, but finish plays, um, like the character to battle, battle back and get that game to overtime. Uh, a few things on the Caps lineup for this 3-2 overtime loss at the Canadiens on Saturday night. So center Nick Dowd did not play for a second consecutive game due to an upper body injury. Uh, the Caps backup goaltender Charlie Lindgren remained out due to having gotten injured during the Caps morning skate last Monday. 
October 16th, and the Caps' third defense pairing on Saturday night included defenseman Hardy Haman Octel, uh, who the Caps recalled from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears, last Thursday. He, in this game, made his NHL regular season debut, committed a third period interference minor. But here's the biggest takeaway Hardy Haman Octel played in this game, while defenseman Alexander Alexiev did not play in this game. He was a healthy scratch. The Caps took Alexiev with the number 31 overall pick in the 2018 NHL draft. What does it say about Alexiev that he on Saturday night was benched in favor of Hardy Haman Octel? Uh, no disrespect to Hardy Haman Octel, but this is a guy who was taken by the Nashville Predators in the fourth round of the 2016 NHL draft. The Caps this past April signed him off him having spent the previous three seasons playing in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, next up for the Caps, games on back-to-back days for the first time this regular season. The Caps are home to the Toronto Maple Leafs Tuesday evening at 6 and then are at the New Jersey Devils Wednesday night at 7.30. And that'll do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 684. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders, as we on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach Rodden Rivera, assuming that he is still <laughs> the Commanders head coach, uh, off his team falling to 3-4 and four in this 2023 NFL regular season with a 14-7 loss at the New York Giants on Sunday afternoon. Also on Tuesday's show, I'll talk Wizards. I'll chat with Wizards insider Josh Robbins of The Athletic. We'll preview the Wizards 2023-2024 regular season, which begins on Wednesday night. Wizards at the Indiana Pacers at 7. And we'll discuss the big Wizards news from Sunday afternoon. Multiple reports, including one from Josh of the Wizards and Denny Avdia, having agreed on a four-year, 55-million-dollar contract extension. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. What's the evaluation like after a loss like that? They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that seems... Yes, it does. I'm fucking tired of this shit. I'm fucking tired of this bullshit. It's been seven fucking years of the same shit. I'm tired of this shit. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play fucking Philadelphia.